Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble out the door Beat out old trouble on the drum Beat out old trouble on the drum Beat out old trouble on the drum And kick all trouble out the door Beat me that rhythm on the drum And kick old trouble out the door. Kick him 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 out the door. Welcome to Radical Australia and Community Radio 3CR. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscana, the uh, producer of the program is Kelly Whitworth and once again Kelly's put her hand in the barrel and pulled out a name. Clovis, how are you? Fine, I'm fine. Now Clovis, good. To save me embarrassment here, Clovis, could you pronounce your surname for us and spell it for us? Okay. Wamba. Wamba. Pronounce it like uh, Congolese. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. So, thank you. It's very hard for Australians to do that. It is, it is. Clovis Wamba. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so, why did you use the word Congolese? Are you from the Congo? Yeah. I'm uh, from the Congo, but, you know, yes. we have uh, two Congos in the middle of Africa. But I'm from the Democratic Republic of Congo, the, yeah, which is a big country. And beside it, we have the Republic of Congo. That's the difference. Right. Congo has been colonized by Belgians. But Congo, Brazzaville, Africa, we used to say, had been colonized by French. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I think that practically all. But about my country, Congo has been a property of the King Leopold in uh, 1885. Congo has been uh, bought from Leopold II by the by Belgium, and in 1960 we gain our independence from Belgium. Hmm. I just want to go back a few steps. 
Now, the colonisation of Congo by Leopold, I understand, was one of the most brutal colonisation processes in the history of the world, that over 10 million Congolese died in a relatively short period of time. Is that correct? That's really correct. But look, since then, all different brutal regimes that we've got in our country Mm. have been repeating that Leopold II brutality. So we'll be talking a little bit about the way the dictatorship has been killing people back home in my country, that explain why I've, I've been, uh, I can say, overthrown from our country, uprooted from our country, because I've been fighting for the rule of law, the democracy, and uh, the human rights, and the good of governance. We'll be talking a little bit about that. Mm. But I want to say this. Since 1885 till 2019, we've got in Congo more than 15 million people who were killed. And from 1996 to 2018, we've got almost Eight to nine million people have been killed. Mm. But in short, I can present you roughly the size of Congo. Congo has the size of Western Australia. It has three times many people than Australia, but it's three times less than Australia. That's the really size of Congo. Mm. So, when, what year were you born? Ah, good, good question. <laughs> I was born in, I was born and grown up in eastern Congo, mm. in the rich mining Katanga province, from a working class family. Delightfully, mm. I opted for a school career after my graduation. Now, let, let's go back. Let, let's, I, want, I want to go. We've got plenty of time. I want to go back a step. Okay, okay, okay. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. What, year, what year were you born? Around what, if you don't know the exact year, what? Was it in the 40s you were born or the 50s? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's a very good question. You know, under Mobutu regime, never have disclosed, disclosed my date of birth mm. in whatever event we've got back home. Right. But I was born on the 24th of November, 1946. Right. Look. So that was before be, before independence. Yeah. So I know how the Belgian regime was and the 
aftermath of the independence, particularly, I went through all different regimes that we've got back home. Yeah. What do you remember about uh, being a, a young a young boy during the Belgian period? You must have been very smart to <laughs> access education then. <laughs> oh, I remember so many things, you know. Yes. Oh, <laughs> look, uh, I can say that I've been blessed. As a young boy, yes. My father has been working in the big company run by uh, uh, a Belgian corporate, SGM. In France, we say La Société Générale de Minerais. Mm-hmm. Huh? that has created the Union Minière du Haut-Katanga. So it was the company that has been working as a state within the state in Congo during the Belgian cover period until our independence. So my father has been uh, working in the capacity of say, uh, technicians in that company. So, we've got so many privileges, huh? because at that time it was a system of apartheid, particularly, like in South Africa, but in Congo, they've been calling it as uh, indigenism, indigenous, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, my father had a special status. He could be in the city buying whatever thing he liked amongst white people. Mm-hmm. And just at the end of the independence, I started living with, in the in the city with white people, and I've grown up like that. While many Congolese have been living in uh, uh, a way of us, so I've got such opportunity uh, of study in a good school. Mm. During mm. that period, right. and people in within my all my uh, brother and sister have been in a good, good, very good uh, school. And what language did you use? French in school? Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a good question. In Congo, French is the official language, but we have four national languages that are Swahili, Chiluba, Lingala, and Kikongo. But we've got that time two kinds of schools. Those for black people have been they've been teaching only in uh, 
vernacular language. Mm -hmm. In Swahili, for instance, I've been uh, born in Katanga. Mm -hmm. I've been learning only in Swahili, but I've been learning in French. Mm. Can you cast your mind back to when you were 14 and Independence Day in the Congo? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was, it was in 1960. Yeah. Look, before that, we had a priest at school. Catholic, I've been in a Catholic uh, school. Mm -hmm. So the priest used to tell us that, look, you have someone who is a stranger to your country. His name is Kasavubu. He's a Chinese. He's not a Congolese. He'll be warning you. And you'll get the other one as Prime Minister Lumumba. He's a communist. Mm. He's a communist. Do you know what means being communist? Look. The guy will step in your house, take your wife, take your belongings. Look, that is the regime Lumumba will bring to you. Look, the way they've been uh, teaching us about communism at that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the way uh, for him, for them, for us to hate the leader, the new elected leader of our country. Hmm. So what yeah. happened? Uh, yeah. So, so the what? The day of independence. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my family, because we've been, uh, we have we've been in the land war. My father, my mother, and all the family gathered, and we've been listening to the radio. So. We heard first the King Leopold II, uh, Leopold, uh, uh, Baldwin, Baldwin, with his uh, speech. Then the President Kasavubu, and afterward, Mr. Lumumba. But, you know, it was a huge event everywhere. We heard it's a cheering, cheering, saying hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Vive Lumumba, vive Lumumba, and so on. So, look, it was a big success. In a, he made a very, very powerful speech to uh, that has been speaking to to Congolese. It went straight to their heart, to the bottom of their heart. But, look... Uh, ten days after, ten days after, we we've got uh, I think Belgium have organized uh, have provoked Congolese soldiers in Jadoville. I've been living in Jadoville. Mm -hmm. Today they call it Likasi. So, 
soldiers start attacking white people, saying that their country has been invaded in uh, in Leopoldville, and they can't accept anymore Belgium to be back in this country as our master. So, on the 11th, we heard from the radio, Mr. Chombe staged its secession. He proclaimed Katanga as an independent country. That was the starting of everything in my country. Mm. So, people who were not from the Katangese uh, tribe become Congolese and strangers within uh, the Katanga independent state. And all white people become Katangese. Then they started expelling those who were Katangese from uh, the state of Katanga. Then we've got even those soldiers from uh, that time that have been calling them La Force Publique. So the army has been expelled from uh, the state of Katanga to Leopoldville, things like that. Mm-hmm. So what, what did that lead to? Civil war or? Look, I can say that it has been such kind of civil war stirring up by the colonialists who become neo-colonialists. So was the Katanga the richest province in terms of minerals? Uh, Yeah. Right. The very rich province of the Congo. Mm -hmm. In there, we had so many minerals. Copper, uranium, cadmium, cobalt, and so on. So, even in 1945, it was the uranium used to buy American when they bombarded the Japan. Uh, the Japan. They used the mineral from the city that was at 30 kilometers where we've been living in Jadoville, in Likasi, mm-hmm. in Shinkolobwe. Mm-hmm. And since then, since then, no, at the beginning of 1940, so we had Americans who start living in uh, American military bars. They built up their military bars in Kamina in 1949. But uh, since 1940, we had American uh, soldiers living in uh, in Congo, in Katanga, especially. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened to the uh, Lumbamba? Uh, Lumumba? Mm. <laughs> Look, uh, just when Chombe has staged 
is uh, cessation. One month after, there will be a second cessation staged in the Kasai, the which province that time that got uh, diamond mining. And Kasai succeeded, and Kasai and Katanga, as during the colonial time, during Leopold II uh, reign, Katanga and Kasai were uh, formed one province until 1933. After 1933, that created the province of Kasai, but before it was only the Katanga province. So, it was the richest one that uh, that time. So, in 1960, when the stage that rebellion, that uh, secession, the Belgium organized the province of Katanga as it has been during Leopold II period. Mm -hmm. So, practically, Katai and Katanga have been working together. And the one, Mr. Kalonji, who proclaimed the secession of Katai did it in Elizabethville, in the capital city of Katanga. The day the young brother of King uh, Baudouin, his name was Albert, he's still alive in Belgium. So when Albert was there, then Kalonji proclaimed the secession of Katai in Katanga. So for me, the secession of Katanga and Katai was only one secession organized by Belgium, like during the period of uh, King Leopold II. Mm. So, so what was happening in the rest of the Congo then? What, what happened? Could you just okay. explain to people? Yes. So the rest of the Congo was practically in uh, turmoil. So we've got a kind of secession Look, all secession that we've got in Congo have been engineered by Belgium, Secret Service. Mm -hmm. I want to explain you this. We've got in Katanga, Chombe who's been manipulated by Count Daspermont Linden. His father has been working closely with uh, the king of Belgium. And Daspermont Linden has been sent to Katanga and then after three months back in Belgium he became the minister in charge for foreign no for African affairs. So in three months it's Mobutu who's been a secret agent. I can say during the colonial time that could call him secret agent, but he was an informer. As an informer of the Belgians, he staged the coup d'etat in uh, Kinshasa, in the, no, in Leopoldville that time. And the head of, his, of the office 
Mr. Gizenga, one month after, staged a secession in the province of Stanleyville, saying that we have uh, a free Congo in Stanleyville, whereas Mr. Gizenga and Mobutu were the agents working for the secret service, the Belgian secret service called Sûreté du Congo Belge. So, practically, the secession in Katanga, in uh, Stanleyville, huh? and the province of Kivu, all those secessions have been organized by secret service, by secret service from Belgium. So look, so those in Saint-Levin were communists, but in Katanga and Kasai, they were the far right fighting against communists. Mm -hmm. So they were accused Lumumba being communist, and he was linked to that secession in uh, Saint-Levin. But look, Lumumba was fooled. He was a communist. But that created around him a band of communists who decided many things against his will. And Lumumba has been trapped as like a communist and sent to Katanga on the 17th of uh, January, 19, uh, uh, 1961. Anyway, he was killed there. So I want to announce this. The day Lumumba has been killed, it was the anniversary, the birthday of the minister who staged up the secession of Katanga. So, so, so organized that Lumumba to be killed in Katanga on that very day of his birthday. So, post the 1960s, how did Mobutu yeah. consolidate his power? <laughs> Look, that's a good question. Mobutu has been backed by CIA agents who have been working with the Belgian Secret Service and the Belgian military who invaded the Congo on the 9th of dance or 9th of uh, July. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to read this thing. You see, in Congo, the 9th of July was the date in Belgium. People uh, used to celebrate the very day uh, Leopold II got his own property, Congo's own property in Belgium. But in Congo, we used to celebrate it on the 30th of, uh, of June. Now, look, the Belgian army invaded Congo just on the very day 
that used to celebrate the property of Leopold II. Congo as the property of Leopold II. Mm -hmm. Do you see? Uh, does it make sense? It was in in my mind, and I'm sure that it was also the same in the mind of Lumumba. Mm -hmm. Belgium snatched the Congo the day it has been recognized at the United Nations Assembly. Mm -hmm. That very day, they invaded Congo, and then the trouble started, and uh, Lumumba has been destabilized from power. And two months after, has been uh, kicked out by the president of the, uh, the Republic, Mr. Joseph, who got money from uh, CIA and things like that. Uh, mm. So he got, he, he got rid of Lumumba from power. Mm. So what was happening? Lumumba... What? Yeah was in the house of arrest that time. Mm. So what was happening to you as a young boy, a young man now, during this period? Oh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Look, that time, I've been in the secondary school. Within my family, my elder brother was Lumumbis in the uh, town of Likasi, was a Rumumbi. He's been working with them. But uh, my father was uh, like a free thinker. Was a, was a free thinker. So he let each one within our house to have his own position about those political issues. So, for my brother, uh, my uh, elder brother, I've learned so many things about Lumumba. So, I've, the day, the very day Lumumba had been brought to Katanga and was killed, I think three, four days after, in my family, we knew everything because we've been living with white people. So we've got so many mercenaries who've been working like uh, uh, workers mm. uh, in the Union Minière of Katanga. So we've been living together with them. So in... Uh, 1961, just after Lumumba was killed, we've got uh, Irish blue helmet who arrived in Likasi. So they've been living in the in a hotel not far from our house. I think 600, uh, no less than one kilometer from where we've been living. Mm -hmm. But that time, my father as he knew many things about uh, uh, mercenary and so on, 
He used to leave the car at home and been going to his work with his friends, huh, white people, but leaving the car at home. So, for my father, that time when you have 14, 15 year old, you have to drive the car. Mm-hmm. And that time, that time, we've got so many issues. So, he used to leave his car at home. So, the day, for instance, when uh, Swedish and Irish troops were attacked by uh, by uh, mercenary, Katangis mercenary. My elder brother, Kayende, huh, who at that time uh, 16 year old, mm-hmm. took the whole family huh, and we moved to another place organized by Union Minière where we are, we started living till the end of that war in the Jadotville town, where those uh, Irish and Swedish uh, have been uh, crushed down by uh, the mercenary. And, uh, yeah. So they, 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 were the Irish and the Swedish, were they United Nations troops, were they? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Now, yeah, ha- ha- yeah. so... What happened to your education? Obviously, did you continue education? Exactly. Look, <laughs> that time, you know, because I've been uh, studying in uh, uh, thirty kilometers from my hometown, I'm in a boarding school, a Catholic boarding school. So we could go back to school, and after that work, I started learning for three months uh, in Jadotville. Then after, I went back to my uh, secondary school in the village. But it was uh, really... uh, the best school for teachers in the province of Katanga. And many of uh, the rulers of my country who were from Katanga have been in that uh, school. Hmm. So, <laughs> so did you, did you... So once Mobutu consolidated power, um, were things... Were you able to continue education go to university or, or not? Uh, good. First, Mobutu stage is first coup d'etat for me. Never, I say that Mobutu took over power in 1965. No. Hmm. He staged the coup d'etat in, on the 14th of September 19. And since then, since then, he's been likely the president of the country. Because it's he who asked Katabubu to come again and start running the country and become, Mobutu become the vice president, but who was very important 
person doing that pay goes. So, in 1965, officially, he got rid of the president of the republic and continued to run the country. But during that time, I finished my uh, Catholic school in 1963. Mm-hmm. I became uh, a teacher for primary school, but I didn't uh, work. I went straight away in uh, Elizabethville, that is the Lubumbashi now. I started studying, uh, keeping on studying uh, scientific matters and education. And I finished in 1966. But from there, I went to the, the university. Look, just when I finished my uh, school uh, in 1963, I chose to be really a free thinker. So I started learning only in uh, state school. I refuse to learn anymore in a Catholic school. So I did three, three years in uh, secondary school. Uh, on top of those four years I've done, I did three years because I had to learn scientific matters and education. Mm-hmm. And after that, in 1966, I went to the uni, and at that, that time at the uni, <laughs> I remember that we've been only eight people, black people. I, I was in, uh, uh, in the psychology. Mm-hmm. So we've got only eight black people amongst 40, 40 white people. So all the professors of the university were uh, white from Belgium, from uh, France, and from America. Yeah. Then, uh, the year after, we've got Belgium who've been expelled. Mobutu has been in the uh, conflict with Belgium about the Union Minier, that company. He decided to nationalize the Union Minier that became a state company. So it has been a huge matter. It went and uh, all Belgians who've been teaching in Congo uh, have been invaded by the government to be back. Mm-hmm. So I've been asked with many of uh, Congolese to go and teach in school. So I did that for one year. Then after I went back to the uni and keep on studying until I finished. So but did you have a degree in psychology, did you? Yeah, in the psychology, mm-hmm. uh, graduation in pedagogy, in psychology and uh, uh, the aggregation, uh, uh, the right to teach psychology. Right. Uh, I've got it. And uh, after that, when I've been uh, working, I went back again at the uni to do 
euh, African Linguistic and French. So, so what was it like? Yeah, what was it like for you and your family, and obviously your wife and children, to live under Mobutu's rule in the Congo during the seventies <laughs> and eighties? I, you know, how difficult was it? Ah, uh, okay, okay. Look, uh, officially. I was married in 1972. My wife is from uh, the Bemba tribe. The Bemba are living mostly in uh, Zambia. But her father... <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, her father has been the deputy chief of staff of the Congolese army when Mobutu staged the coup d'etat. Mm. And his father became the chief of staff of the Congolese army in 1960s. So I have so many photographs you can see him. So all the history of Congo in 1960 until 1964 uh, we have my in. So my father-in-law, during the period, uh, the colonial time, was uh, uh, adjutant. Mm -hmm. We call him adjutant. So officer, we, we've got that time uh, a small number of Congolese officers in the army. And uh, my wife's father has been one of them. And just in 1960, he has been uh, designated as uh, deputy chief of the Congolese army. So from him, I've learned so many things about uh, the underground politics because he was uh, like a best friend to me. Mm -hmm. But he passed away. So I've learned so many things about uh, Mobutu and uh, the regime. It's he who had shown to me that even Gizenga was the communist. He was uh, a puppet of the secret service, Belgian secret service, huh? who staged a communist state in Kisangani only in order to catch up Lumumba and send him to, and to kill him. Mm. Yeah. So, so his father, mm. so I, can, uh, I continue, his father has been working, he was the one who's been working closely with the United Nations in Leopoldville. So even when Dada Mashod landed in Kinshasa, you see, if I have a photo, I will show you. He was among among those who've been with Dada Major everywhere in Kinshasa. Mm. Because he was the high-ranked officer who's been working with the United Nations. And in 1962, as the chief of staff of the Congolese army, 
has been sent to Katanga to work closely with the United Nations because the Katanga secession has, uh, that time, it has been decided that it has finished. But he told me that it was the CIA uh, chief of staff in Leopoldville who organized that the mm. secession uh, mm. uh, last a little bit longer until the 1963. Mm. And he, he unveiled this to me. In 1963, the day the Katanga uh, regained the Congolese family, it was the anniversary of Mobutu. The day he has been uh, uh, he signed out his contract to be a soldier in 1953, mm. on the 14th of mm. uh, uh, January 1953, what? has been engaged mm. as a soldier. What I'm going to do, Clovis, what I'm going to do, Clovis, we've only got about yeah. 15 minutes left. I'm going to drag you forward in time. When did you and your family leave the Congo and why? Uh, good. <laughs> yeah, in uh, during Mobutu period, I was particularly in. Uh, I've been fighting for human rights, democracy, and the rule of law in Zaire that time. So, fighting against the dictatorship was my visa to persecution, to abduction, imprisonment, and assassination. But during Mobutu time, I was a member of the High Council of the Republic. In 1992, I've been elected as a member of the High Council of the Republic. So, it was the institution that was uh, uh, over over all institutions in the country. Mm-hmm. So, that time we've got the one-state party and a right-wing military regime. So, as you asked me, at the end of the Cold War in 1989, the wave of democracy and the need of the radical change spread over Africa. I have been chosen in the Kananga city where I've been living as their representative in the political institution charged to organize the transition toward democracy, the rule of law and human rights in the DRC, that time in Zaire. I moved in Kinshasa, the capital city. Thus bore the title 
honorable, honorable, in the sovereign national conference, then after two years, I was elected member of the High Council of the Republic. The High Council was the supreme authority of the nation. Later on, Mobutu, the dictator president, negotiated a parliament of transition from 1992 to 1997. So that's the reason why they couldn't arrest me during that time. But I was an activist, stood against the military dictatorship in Zaire. So, as the result of the refusal of successive dictatorship in Congo to change, the Muslim of the opposition and the press, by imprisoning and assassinating opposition leaders and journalists, I took part. In 1991-1997, in the popular resistance of the Allied Civil Society with political parties, and published and published hundreds of articles in the in the red press that time, the red press, the press of the opposition. I advocated and voted in the Parliament for the law instituting freedom of the press in DIC in 1976. I fought in 1997, 1999, in the political field as a member of the National Committee of the UDP. UDP is the Union for Democracy and the Social Progress. In the media, principally the newspaper The Alarm, have organized the clandestine network for the design and distribution of leaflets in the capital city of Kinshasa. So, advocating for social justice, human rights, democracy, the rule of law, and the good governance was a direct visa to jail. I was harassed, abducted, tortured, relegated to secrecy, and finally condemned to capital punishment in 1998 1999. I escaped being executed in secrecy as a result of pressure exerted by the press, by political party, human rights NGO, and uh, Western embassy. Then, look, uh, I've crossed the river and started living in Congo Brazzaville. Then, in there, I become a political refugee. I organized the opposition and the publication of Burton of the Congolese uh, who were in the opposition in Congo Brazzaville from 2001 to 2007. Mm. As a urban UNHC refugee, I found out that many residents from the DRC living in protracted situations and in harsh conditions did get their refugee status they might deceive. I took the commitment to advocate for fellow Congolese asylum seekers for them to get their refugee status from the UN Asia Congo Brazzaville. Mm. So to speed the resettlement of protracted refugees who also I became after five years in Congo Brazzaville we set up a well-structured 
an empowered Congolese community association. Refugees become strong enough to stand up and fight for their rights mm. after many protests against abuse from the local NGO that got funding from the UNHCR, the, the association, the Congolese association, mm. become a trusted partner of the UNHCR. And refugees got their resettlement in Western mm. countries such as USA, Canada, Norway, Sweden, and Australia. So when, when did you and your family come to Australia? Uh, <laughs> I landed in this wonderful country in 2007. In 2007. Mm. So who and, came? Who came? It was you, your wife, any children? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've been uh, seven uh, kids. Yes. Uh, and my wife. Right. Yeah. That would have been during the time of Kevin Rudd. No, 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 no. no, no. Oh. Or was it John? Oh, oh. John Howard, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Right. But uh, during the time of Kevin Rudd, uh, I think uh, I've been... Uh, Many times in Canberra mm. uh, for a plea for uh, the democracy back home in my country. Mm. And uh, that time, I think we got some funding to help the people back home from the from Kevin Ward government, and also I've got also some funding for uh, people back home during uh, 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 Julia Gillard. Julia Gillard, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, mm. generally, uh, you know, I was close to Anna Burke, who was the Speaker of the Parliament. Mm -hmm. So, she's been introducing me uh, to many leaders in uh, uh, in the parliament within the parliament, and we got also some funding from Bob Carr to help Congolese refugees in uh, when Goma has been uh, invaded by uh, uh, external enemy. Mm. So anyway, so I did do things. Uh, in the camera. So. <laughs> yeah, look, um, it's, look, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you. The time's flowing. Well, all I can say is Zaire and the Co Democratic Republic of the Congo's loss is Australia's gain. And I've met you and uh, your family and especially your very um, intelligent and uh, grandchildren, and all I can say is, I know you've had a terrible time, the fact that you were uh, sentenced to death and you are able to escape, but the fact that you've got here with yeah. your family, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think I'd like to thank you for uh, uh, choosing Australia 
as a place to live in the future. And all I can do is on behalf of our listeners uh, is uh, thank you very much for what you've done and what you continue to do, not just for the Congolese community, but the West Papuan community here in Australia oh, yeah. and, 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 and other people. So it's been a great pleasure talking to you, Clovis. Now, do you have, I know maybe you don't, but do you have a website or anything that people can log into? Uh, thank you. Please, uh, I don't have a website, but that's but you can uh, Google only my name. Right. You so find just many things about me. All right. So Clovis, Google my name. All right. Clovis M. Expel it for us. Yeah. Clovis Mwamba. C L O V I S Mwamba. M W A M B A. Right. But I can add this. Because I've published uh, books and I'm still uh, publishing books. So those books published in French, I used uh, practically Congolese name, uh, you know, under Mobutu regime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He asked Congolese to use only Congolese name. Mm -hmm. So uh, on the book published in France, at the uh, Amazon edition, you get Mwamba, Zita, Kayembe, Clovis, Alido, Mwamba, Zita, Kayembe. That's always me. Right. Well, well, thank you very much for sharing uh, your life story. All the best to you and your children you. and thank grandchildren. You. Thank you. And uh, as I said before, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, me too. The, Republic's, me too. Uh, the Republic of Congo's loss is our gain. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, oh. But you look with my broken English. I hope that you you understood something. Oh, we understood a so lot. What we understood oh. everything you said. We understood everything you said. And unfortunately, you. an hour <laughs> is not enough. But maybe in, maybe in another year or so, if you're still around and I'm still around, we could do a second interview. I'd be very interested in your more recent life here in Australia. Yeah, yeah that would be great because. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can talk that time also about uh, Dada Marshall and. That's uh, right. Yeah, we can do Papua, that. Yeah, we can do. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do. We'll do, we'll, we'll do another interview later on uh, early next okay. year. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Five million people amidst a war zone are creating a new society based on principles that are near the hearts of many radicals in Australia. Welcome to AANES, the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria, formerly known as Rojava. Beginning on Thursday the 30th of September at midday to 1pm, join me, Joseph Toscano, for a 10-part series of conversations with members of a civil diplomacy centre in the city of Kwanzmizlo. Posts from Ennis, the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria, a flourishing radical experiment in direct democracy in the midst of a war zone. Launching as part of 3CR's Acting Up series on Thursday the 30th of September at midday on 3CR 855 on your AM dial 